Hey, my name is Shannon Lee, and you're listening to The Slapcast. Welcome, one and all, to The Slapcast. For the month of November, we are talking about coaching your team, specifically We will address two aspects of coaching your team. First, for this episode, I'm gonna talk about the four essential coaching skills. And then next episode, I'll talk about the three mistakes that managers are making while they're trying to coach their team. So why does coaching even matter in the workplace? What is it and what do these behaviors look like? Well, first of all, in 2006, there was a research paper published by Vanderwall and Lathan about manager coaching. They found that while most organizations believe coaching is a useful strategy for individual and organizational development, most organizations struggle to actually coach their people. And so what does this lack of alignment in belief and behavior create? I'm glad you asked. First, there is a correlation between coaching behaviors and positive effect. Specifically, leaders who are perceived as using coaching behaviors to create a positive emotion in their associates. So when we have leaders who we think, like let's say I work for someone and I perceive that they are showing up in a coaching behavior, this is going to create a more positive emotional response in me, the employee. Also, these leaders are more likely to be trusted. And there is also a positive effect on intentions. And what we mean by this is that employees who perceived coaching behaviors from their leaders showed intent to remain as an employee, to an intent to perform, endorse the organization, and use good organizational citizenship behaviors. So this is huge. You can tell people, for example, to be a good citizen of the organization, but when you lead in ways that create good citizenship, that's the magic. And yet organizations still struggle with utilizing coaching behaviors. So let's break down these four essential coaching skills. Number one is listen to learn. And by the way, I want to pause and just say that This information comes from our partners at Ken Blanchard Companies. We utilize them for a program called Coaching Essentials, and these are some of the core concepts of that program that I'm going to share with you today. So the first one is listen to learn. Most of us listen to respond, and you've all heard this probably a hundred times, or we listen to immediately defend. I once had a leader tell me that she always tells her direct reports that they can come to her with dissenting ideas and things that are going wrong. And yet she couldn't understand why no one was coming to her. And what was happening was she was finding out about problems from her direct reports after it was too late. And what she was finding out was this. She was finding out that they knew that some of her ideas weren't going to work or were going to be too expensive and they were afraid to share them with her. Why? Well, after digging in and working with them, what we realized was that they used to bring problems to her in the past, but because she became defensive in her body language and even her tone, they stopped. So it's not enough just to tell people, I want you to be transparent. I want you to be truthful. I want you to bring me problems. If your communication style, the tone, your body language, if it tells people that you're going to be defensive and that you're not truly listening to learn, they're not going to tell you what they need to tell you. No matter how much you say you want feedback and that you will listen, 
If your entire way of communicating says otherwise, people will not come to you. You will not be seen as a listening leader. So how do we get and stay in listen and learn mode? We move to curiosity. Simply put, we move to curious. If we are listening to offer advice, solve the problem, or to share a similar experience even, we aren't listening to learn. But if instead we can listen with an open mind, listening for what the person is really saying with the intent of understanding, now we are truly listening to learn. So the first essential part of coaching your team is listening to learn. Number two, we must inquire for insight. Drawing out the best from your people is a great leadership intention. When listening to learn, it allows you to then ask the great questions of your people that bring out their best. Asking questions also helps you to better understand others, their intentions, their understandings, or the lack thereof. Because sometimes when you ask questions and ask for clarity, you find that the person you're talking to doesn't have a clear understanding of something. The key here is to focus your insight on moving forward, not blaming with the past. So here's what I mean by that. Sometimes when there's conflict and we're trying to listen to learn, if we move to defense mode, often what we find ourselves doing internally and externally is finding someone to blame, whether it's the the person in front of us or we want to know whose fault it is. Anytime we move into focusing our intention on finding whose fault it is, we are not into curiosity. We are not inquiring for insight. One of the reasons people stopped coming to the leader I mentioned before was because when something went wrong, what she cared about was who was to blame. So instead, to get insight, what we want to do is ask open-ended questions like, tell me why you think that way, or what's your input on how this happened, why this happened? This helps us to then focus on moving forward and not get stuck in the past. Also, if we can emphasize what and how rather than why, we can move forward. Now, there's actually some neuroscience behind this. The question why tends to indicate to our brains to move into the emotion side. And sometimes if we can't figure out why, our brain will kind of fill in that gap and start to blame ourselves. So if we want to tap into data In other words, actual observable information as to why something went wrong, we need to ask what questions. So here's an example. Let's say I'm working with someone and they drop the ball on a task or on a goal. Instead of saying, why didn't you get this done? You can ask, what got in your way? The what question causes their brain to go to the data center and they find concrete, observable situations that kept them from getting things done. Also, it helps that person stay out or a little bit further away from the emotional side. They'll be less likely to blame themselves. Why do we want to keep them out of blame? Blame tends to cause all of us to feel fear and or shame. And when we feel that way, we're not our best selves. We tend to make excuses and we never really get to the crux of the problem. So it makes it difficult to move forward. Something else we can do to inquire for insight is to encourage the direct report to recap after the conversation ends in order to check for understanding. What does that look like? 
So I've got Jonathan here, our producer. So let's say I'm talking to Jonathan. I could just say, so Jonathan, why don't you recap for me what we just discussed? This is a way to really make sure that two people involved in the conversation have fully understood what has happened. The other thing I encourage you to recap is to ask the person if they believe you have fully communicated your intent. So ask them, what do you believe my intent was in this conversation? It's a great way to get feedback and to ensure that the other person has fully understood your frame of reference and what you intended to accomplish in the conversation. And then finally, just a general reminder, be open-minded. Okay, so that's number two, inquire for insight. Now, number three, this is so important, and that's tell your truth. We hear a lot about this in memes, even on social media about, oh, I just got to tell my truth. But here's the thing. It's an all too common practice to stay silent for fear of hurting or offending others, especially in the workplace. Being truthful is a challenge when it comes to communicating difficult information. However, when we learn to tell our truth well, both parties can grow because they can both deal with the known. It's hard to be empowered and to grow when there are unknowns. One of the downfalls of not sharing our truth with others is it doesn't require us to grow. How is that? Well, let's see. When I have to share something difficult with you, it it causes me to be a little uncomfortable. It causes a little bit of tension. And whenever I have that dissonance or that tension, I've got to work through that. But working through that tension and then communicating anyways gives me an opportunity to grow in my confidence, my ability to communicate. I learn more about myself and I honor that telling of the truth. It helps the other person grow because now they're more aware of something that might have been hard to hear. Here's the key though. We must communicate our truth with kindness and clarity. We can do this by avoiding making conclusions about personality and focusing on observable behaviors and expectations. So let me give you an example of this. I was recently talking to someone in a coaching environment, and this gentleman was telling me that there was someone on his team that he needed to have a conversation with about more of a soft skill. And that soft skill was, you know, this person is a high performer, but the person that he was referring to tended to get their feelings hurt really easily. And he, this leader didn't think he could deal with that. He didn't know how to speak his truth about that. And the first step that I shared with him was, well, first of all, your conclusion is that they are getting their feelings hurt. You might be right about your conclusion, but it is a conclusion, And it's a conclusion that's going to be pretty hard to prove. So instead, you want to sit this person down and talk to them about behaviors, things that you can observe. For example, some of the ways I know someone is getting defensive and getting offended is maybe they get quiet or maybe they make excuses. So instead of saying, I notice every time I talk to you, you get defensive. Instead, you could try something like, Listen, John, I'd like to talk to you about some of the recent conversations that we've had. I've noticed that when I share with you a difficult truth that you tend to get very quiet. Can you tell me more about what's going on with you when that happens? Now what we've done is we've communicated that there's a behavior going on that we don't quite understand, that we don't believe is really getting us to where we need to go, but we're leaving it open-ended. Remember, we're staying open-minded, and that's all a part of inquiring for insight. 
and then we're allowing the person to share with us, then we can take what they share with us and, and kind of bounce off of that and have a discussion around those things. But as soon as I tell someone, you know what, John, it seems like you're defensive. Well, guess what? They're probably going to get defensive again. So instead, really focus on observable behaviors, not your conclusions. Okay, so that's tell your truth. The last key is express confidence. People are far more likely to stretch themselves and do their best work for managers who are advocates and champions for them. Managers who acknowledge the person and maintain a respectful, positive regard for his or her contribution are building the confidence of the people that they manage. It's important to separate the subject matter from the person. And here's what I mean by that. Let's go back to John and let's say he gets defensive a lot. It would be really easy for me to combine John the person and what I perceive about his personality with the actual subject matter, his behavior. And so sometimes I might pull away from someone like John because maybe they're, they're, my opinion of their being, of being kind of offended causes me to pull away from them. And in that pulling away, I also am not expressing confidence in their abilities. Just because someone tends to get defensive from time to time does not mean that they do not have quality, high quality abilities in their job. And so this is a key factor in expressing confidence that even in a conversation where I want to ask someone about someone about how they're showing up in a certain conversation, I can still express confidence based on things like their past experiences, their past performance, etc. Expressing confidence allows you to preserve a good relationship regardless of the type of conversation being held. Expressing confidence in the person builds self-assurance and enthusiasm, and it's important that managers do this. So some ways you can do that are to highlight relevant qualities and skills in that person. Cite previous successes. This will be key, especially if someone has experienced a failure. When someone has experienced a failure on your team, dig back into the archives. Tell them how they've been able to accomplish other things in the past. They're going to need the vote of confidence. They're going to need that support in order to move forward and to feel good about kind of bouncing back. Build self-assurance and enthusiasm. You'll do this with your words by, even if you have to share a difficult truth, let them know that you have every confidence in their ability to work on whatever it is that you talked about. And then make sure they know that you can offer support as needed. For example, hey, if you ever need to talk about these things again, I'm here. So just to recap, the four essential coaching skills are listen to learn, inquire for insight, tell your truth, and express confidence. Now, in our program, Coaching Essentials, we cover all of these as well as a specific coaching process to implement. It's a mistake to believe that managers and leaders have the innate ability to coach their teams. I've said this before on the podcast, and I'll say it again. Gallup results have told us that only 5% of people in any leadership role Anybody leading even one other person, only 5% of those folks have innate abilities to lead and coaching is a leadership competency. So if coaching is a leadership competency and only 5% of us has, have innate leadership competencies, then that means we all, or the vast majority of us, basically 
19 out of 20 of us have to learn how to coach our team. The coaching essentials process covers connecting to build trust and positive relationships, focus to identify topics and goals, activate to collaborate to develop a plan of action, and review to clarify agreements and discuss accountability. That's the actual model. It also goes into much more depth with the four keys that I shared in this podcast. The framework takes the guessing out of leading with coaching behaviors. Where we started was talking about the benefits of coaching behaviors, but coaching behaviors are not something that we just try to pretend to do. There's an actual process. Be sure to contact us about this amazing program if you think you and your leaders need help in implementing coaching behaviors with their teams. All right, that's it for part one of coaching your team. If you want to connect with me, just shoot me an email. I can be reached at slapcast at relayleadership.org. I would love to connect with you and you can find us on all the socials at Relay Leadership. That's R-E-L-A Leadership. And be sure to check out RelayLeadership.com so you can check out all of our upcoming training opportunities because listen, everything we do is virtual now. And so that means no matter where you're listening from, you can join us. All right. Until next time. 